Hi there, and welcome to the Oompal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 60, it is my pleasure to bring to you something different. This is an essay written by Mr. Ben Rappaport about a pipe shape. What pipe shape, you ask? None other than the Oompal. What a coincidence. And what's more, the essay is read by my lovely and charming wife of nearly 15 years now, if you can believe that, Miss Vanessa. This podcast is made possible by P&T, yes, Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. If you are not a subscription holder, then prepare yourself for an invitation to a duel. I'm a pretty good shot at 20 paces, but even better at 19. So do the right thing. Support the magazine that supports our interests. Reading articles online is nice, but there is nothing, absolutely nothing, like the printed word. Now then, sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. The Odyssey of the Umpal, a Hungarian, really, by Ben Rappaport, read by Vanessa Sylvester. All notes, footnotes, side notes, and any other commentary on this article may be found at www.umpal.com. Apologies in advance for mispronunciations and bad foreign accents. The backstory. Rummaging around the internet mid-February 2014, I encountered the Umpal Society, surprised to realize it's been active for some six years now. I scrolled through the online commentaries looking for a post or two either about the person, Umpal Kruger, to whom allegedly this unique pipe shape is attributed, or for something about a rather recent development, an online discussion as to whether this pipe shape is more accurately called Hungarian. It's also been known by other names, Hungarian bent, and, just as frequently, bent unter. Some briar aficionados say that the two terms are synonymous. Other pipe mavens are noncommittal, or don't care a whit. If asked, I might say mistaken identity, or questionable. If pressed to testify, I just might say specious, suspect, or speculation. Why am I of this opinion? In the spring 2008 issue of Pipes and Tobacco's magazine appeared my War and Peace Pipes Commemoration and Remembrance, in which I wrote about and illustrated Boer War Umpal Pipes. And I have published much about the history and evolution of the Austro-Hungarian pipe industry and three unique pipe formats that her artisans created, mentioned later. I never encountered the term Hungarian, per se, in my research on Umpals. I contacted the founder of the Umpal Society, Oli Sylvester, who responded immediately and advised that neither the mission nor the purpose of the Umpal Society of Non-Typicals encompasses an investigative pursuit of information about Kruger or this pipe. When I volunteered to craft a mini-monograph, he willingly accepted, and I enthusiastically complied. As I mind deeper, however, this mini-monograph became a dissertation. Perhaps Oli expected that I would offer the society the time of day, but I ended up building a watch. I offer it as background information to anyone interested in knowing something more about the Umpal format, and for the ultra-curious and inquisitive in this community of aficionados, reminiscent of the 1966 Burt Bacharach and Hal David song, It's My Way to Answer, What's It All About, Oli? Truth to be told, it's 
a rather convoluted story. Here's what I knew and what I have since found in various references. As you take account of the balance of this article, consider allegorically Act 2, Scene 2 of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. She asks, What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. To which Romeo replies, By a name, I know not how to tell thee who I am. Or, for something more contemporary, consider Rene Magritte. An object encounters its image. An object encounters its name. It may be that the image and the name of the object encounter each other. Both quotations play a significant role in what follows. Something about South Africa and Kruger. South Africa, this 19th century country of diamonds and gold, was also an important player in tobacco pipe manufacture in that century. The long and colorful recorded history of tobacco and smoking has always reprised the story of the Umpal. This famous pipe has a memorable place in South Africa's history and Kruger, but she also made a significant contribution in a much more important event in pipe lore. This small nation was the epicenter and principal exporter of the calabash gourd and its eventual development into an appealing smoking pipe. Stephanus Johannes Paulus Kruger, um Paul, Afrikaans for Uncle Paul, was a statesman, resistance leader against British rule, and the state president of South African Republic. Best remembered as the lion-hearted patriot for facing down the British during the Second Boer War from 1899 to 1902. He was never far from his pipe and was considered a chain smoker. Um, uncle, Paul Kruger, the legendary old Boer War president, was a notorious pipe smoker. A full-bent pipe was custom-designed for him, similar to the famous Sherlock Holmes pipe, but without the flair to the bowl. And this particular style continues to be manufactured in various European countries even today, still designated an um Paul. His long, black pipe is always associated with him in the minds of those who have talked to him. End quote. Then there is this comment. His, Kruger's, dirty wooden pipe was visible for it stuck out of his breast pocket. Given the commercial relationship between Great Britain and South Africa, this full-bent black wooden pipe was undoubtedly produced in a factory in London or elsewhere in the Isles. Note that Briar is not mentioned in any of these quotations. Perhaps it was understood. One of the many illustrations of Kruger is an 1899 Vanity Fair caricature of depicting him in his customary garb, a black frock coat and a top hat, smoking a deep bent wood pipe. And it's certainly not an Paul. But artists do have a license to take liberties with their renditions. In the life of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle by John Dixon Carr, 1975, he claims that curved pipes were unknown in England until they were imported during the Boer War. If this is true, then Kruger might have had a degree of influence on the eventual popularity of this particular shape. Some historians even claim that Kruger made this pipe famous around the world. As a gratuitous comment, the Boer War made its mark, however slight, on the tobacco industry. Kruger had a pipe shape named after him, and for several years, cigars were produced to honor Field Marshal Lord Frederick Slay Roberts of Kandahar, British commander-in-chief in that war, and Robert Baden-Powell, a Boer War hero. 
much more about the Umpal, historically speaking. As the story goes, factory-finished briar pipes were sent from England to British soldiers and colonial troops serving in that war. The supply flowed from manufacturers GBD and BBB in particular, and from private citizens. In the Visbeck Standard, an English newspaper, in 1899, appeared the statement that each British soldier departing for Africa's Boer War was given a pipe, a pound of tobacco, and a Bible, paid for by patriotic funds. More proof is a clipping from another English newspaper of summer 1900. Miss Woodhams of Tree Lawn, Woburn Sands, has been collecting clothing and presents to send to the troops in South Africa. And... So far, got nine flannel shirts, six pairs of knitted socks, 13 wool mufflers, 35 cup covers, six knitted cholera belts, three helmets, 18 pipes, a pipe lighter, and four pounds of tobacco to send to Mefking. It was also reported that school-age children asked their parents for money to purchase tobacco and pipes to give British soldiers as keepsakes as they departed for Africa. Here's further confirmation of this noble gesture. The battalion met with a great reception at Meritzburg, where a halt was made for nine hours. Here, each man was presented by the ladies of that place with a pipe, half pound of tobacco, and a pocket handkerchief. And where did the tobacco come from? The larger supplier was a Dutch immigrant, Leonard Dingler, who sold it to soldiers throughout the Transvaal. Many soldiers and prisoners in the Second Boer War often carved their pipes from scratch, rummaging around and using whatever hardwood was available. Theirs were often erroneously called trench art. The preponderance of pipes attributed to this war in private collections and museums, however, were the aforementioned factory-finished pipes, and the vast majority are umpals. Encamped and imprisoned soldiers carved their personal messages in English or Afrikaans and etched or incised unit designations, heraldic crests, military engagements, leaders, dates, and other information related to the many campaigns and skirmishes between the British and the South African Dutch. What is sure is that the Umpal pipe symbolized the Boer War, and it was into this very shape that these symbols were carved. A historically interesting group consists of Boer pipes, engraved by or for soldiers during the various wars in South Africa. The troops who used to refer to them as Kruger pipes found their large size admirably suited to take engravings or deeper carvings of one or more of the following, name, rank, regiment, regimental crest, a list of battles or skirmishes participated in, dates of service in a particular theater of war, and usually the name of the war. More rarely, the head of the enemy leader, Kruger, also appeared. For those interested in seeing some of these pipes online, several museums retain examples. Anglo-Boer War Museum, Bloemfontein Ladysmith Siege Museum, both in South Africa, Australian War Museum, Campbell, Australia, Royal Welsh Fusiliers Regimental Museum in North Wales, and Canadian War Museum in Ottawa, Canada. Now today's British experts chime in. Now to address fact, fiction, and fantasy in the Umpal versus Hungarian controversy. J.P. Cole is the son of J.W. Cole, who worked for GBD. 
JP is now 88, and known quantity in the UK pipe trade, and author of the GBD St. Claude Pipe Story, 1976, The History of Cadogan French Pipe Houses. He had much to say about Umpals and Hungarians. In one of his early publications, Briar Pipe Shapes and Styles, he stated in part, Very few bent pots really exist. The point is that the pot bowl really emerged from the straight-sided Hungarian bents. So we must look at these first. Hungarian bents are really those that we now call umpals. These bents will normally have the ends of the stem roughly in line with the tops of the bowls. The stems will be thick and the pipes will be on the large side. In 1995, in Briar Shapes and Models until 1914, the Pipe Yearbook, 1995, Cole added, There was a wealth of existing bents, and predominantly the Hungarian bents, which were technically easier to turn than bents, like the Ulmers. In applying their technical skills, the turners of San Cloud developed the billiard bent, and also the egg bent. He expounded further about bents in his feature article in Pipe Smoke, fall of 1998, but I include only his comments about the Umpal and the Hungarian. Quote, a notable type of bent, which has been a favorite for over a hundred years, is the Hungarian bent, which has parallel sides like a high pot, and is also known as the Umpal shape, named after Paul Charger, the South African leader of the Boer War, who preferred this shape. Hmm, a bit confusing. When asked what he knew, John C. Adler, ex-chairman and managing director of Cadogan Investments, remarked, I spent some time looking at old catalogs and found the shape in BBB and GBD catalogs circa 1907-1908. However, they're only referred to it by shape number. It does not appear to have ever been made in Meerschaum. I also found the name Hungarian in a low catalog, but this shape is not a Numpal. It then struck my memory that it might be a St. Claude description of the bowl. I spoke with Jacques Cole, and he confirmed that the Hungros was the shape name. The spelling could be incorrect. H-O-N-G-R-O-I-S-E. Thus, the use of Hungarian as this shape is correct, although I suspect it has nothing to do with Hungary. In French, Hongros means Hungarian, and the feminine Hongra was probably the adjective modifying the French word for pipe, la pipe. I followed up these comments by pouring through a few British pipe catalogs in hand. The 1899 catalog of Salmon and Gluckstein, London, the largest retail tobacconist chain with more than 120 branch outlets in the United Kingdom, contains a host of smoker requisites. But its Briar Pipe product line contains no pipe reminiscent of an Umpal Hungarian. The 1912 BBB catalog number 20 includes a few approximate umpal shapes, but none of these are true umpal, and none bear a model name. An early 1900s Barling catalog includes one of Barling's celebrated pipes, the Viking, number 235, but again close, but no cigar. Last, a search of the Lowe's 1910 illustrated price list in catalog number 7 offers a discovery on page 14 in Living Black and White. The Boar, Model number 95, an Paul without question, but by another name. Others chime in. 
Jim Sandpiper, the Peterson Pipe connoisseur and collector, has this to say on his website. Many prefer the term Hungarian over Umpal, since the pipe's history is more appealing than the history of the man with its connotations of racism and association with apartheid. In another online post, it has always been an Umpal to me. Dunhill, GBD, and several others use the Hungarian designation for political reasons. Most makers stick to accepted convention of the popular shapes, but they can call them what they want. There are still no official shapes, as far as I know. The Hungarian designation is just petty silliness to me. But they made the pipe, and they can stamp on there whatever they want. Another post on the Brothers of Briar website said, Today, while collecting information on the Hungarian pipe shape, it came to my attention that two of the largest pipe manufacturers in the world do not use the name Paul in their pipe charts. Perhaps this is true today, but as late as 1950, one of the Dunhill ODA 800 series was number 818, an Paul, not a Hungarian. Monbla 256 posts on Brothers of Briar. Quote, Despite the continuing confusion between the Umpal and Hungarian nomenclatures, they are two very distinct shapes. The Umpal has a cylindrical bowl and the Hungarian is egg-shaped. At least that's the way I learned it, but nowadays it's common to see Hungarian and Umpal used interchangeably and both are applied to as the Umpal shape. Meanwhile, the true Hungarian shape is apparently becoming an endangered species. The genesis of the confusion between Umpal and Hungarian shapes isn't clear, but reportedly it was instigated by Dunhill. As the story goes, being good Englishmen, they weren't about to concede anything to Umpal, who had been Britain's principal antagonist in the Boer Wars, after whom the cylindrical Umpal shape was named. Hence, Dunhill ascribed the moniker Hungarian to both shapes as to not provide any politically incorrect recognition of Mr. Kruger. Last, Jim Lilly of the International Pipe Peterson Club opines, quote, To explain the Umpal label, it was a designation given to a 19th century South African politician named Paul Kruger, their first president. He smoked a pipe shaped similar to what's called the Umpal or Hungarian today, end quote. In his opinion, the two terms are synonymous, and Pipedia illustrates a pipe labeled Umpal slash Hungarian. Recent Internet Sales of Hungarians As a sidebar to this discussion, I want to mention a few online sales of Hungarians. Gauntley's, a Nottingham, England shop dating back to the 1880s, advertises for sale a London Briar number no. 22 Hungarian, Brown Sandblast, described as large and heavy, full bent, Hungarian-shaped pipe, brown glossy sandblast finish. There's the Shire-carved Hungarian calabash rosewood tobacco pipe with saddle, stem, and filter. Offered by AFG Distribution. And the very same pipe offered on Amazon as, quote, the Fess Hungarian calabash-carved slash textured rosewood tobacco pipe with filter. However, from the posted color images, all three pretty much resemble the calabash. My turn. I am not a briar pipe authority. I am a pipe historian, and I choose to join the conversation. Many books have been published recounting the history, evolution, manufacture, and export and import of various pipes. 
for instance, clay, porcelain, wood, briar, and meerschaum. The best illustrated coverage of the Austro-Hungarian pipe industry is Ferenc Lavardi, Our Pipe Smoking Forebears, published Budapest Pex Belberg in 1994. In it is a detailed account of what Hungarian historians, pipe experts, and collectors claim are three distinctive pipe shapes originating in their homeland early in its industry. And these three were produced in wood, less so in Meerschaum, through time, each underwent slight factory-produced variations in their configuration. The three uniquely Hungarian deep vents are 1. Kalmash, 2. Debrecen, after a town that established a potter's guild in the late 17th century, and 3. Rakowski, named after one of several generations of Rakowski, Sigismund, George I, George II, Francis I, or Francis II a national hero, all of whom were at a time princes of Transylvania between 1544 and 1735. Of the three, the Rakowski comes close, but not that close in design silhouette, what would be today considered a one-off umpal, because its bowl is the shortest of the three in height, and its curved shank bends closest to and in parallel with the bowl. However, on further inspection, I would venture that the Umpal more closely resembles the German Thuringer Aufsatzpfeife, but introducing this German shape into the discussion makes everything yet more confusing. The Synthesis At this juncture, would the following syllogism seem reasonable? The three aforementioned Austro-Hungarian pipe configurations were Vents produced in assorted woods, not briar, long before St. Claude became the epicenter of briar pipe manufacture in the mid-1850s. If cars claim that curved pipes were unknown in England until they were imported during the Boer War, then the chances are that those carved, for instance, bent pipes, were probably briars exported from St. Cloud factories. Those factories were in operation much before Great Britain entered the briar business. And where might those French craftsmen have received their inspiration for the curved shapes they produced? Which was the only country until 1850s making and exporting all sorts of wood-smoking pipes? Hungary. Most likely, French craftsmen took notice of one or more of the Hungarian models. The Hongwa was just one of many vents produced in St. Claude before anyone in France became familiar with the name Uncle Paul or the Second Boer War. I would also argue that the Angras entered the market long before any English pipe maker devised an Umpal shape. What is more than plausible is that the Angras is an arbitrarily chosen French word coined by an artisan in one of those nondescript mid-19th century St. Claude ateliers to describe and identify a certain bent briar shape, just as later factories in England signed names to their respectively unique designs, Golf, Woodstock, Melbourne, Rover, Rotunda, and etc. What was the precise shape of the French-made Angras, other than it having some type of bent or curved silhouette? I can find no catalog image, no exacting description, 
no information in a primary or secondary published source that makes reference to a Hungarian. And I emphasize that Hungral has no direct correlative antecedent, though it might have a gauzier, gossamer, thin one to any of the three bents developed in the late 18th, early 19th century Austro-Hungary. Was the Angra an Umpal? While I dare not challenge the two British pipe authorities that I know and respect, I find that their respective statements about the interchangeability of the terms Umpal and Hungarian lack conviction and suggest doubt. They offer no descriptive specificity as to what the Hungarian shape looked like. Furthermore, no one seems to know who was responsible for assigning synonymy to the two terms or why there are two terms for the same shape. Nevertheless, I am convinced the true umpal is a distinctive British pipe design, and perhaps the hungra might have been a look-alike, a fair facsimile, or a case of mistaken identity with the umpal. Finally, from my brief research, I found nothing on record indicating that at a time the umpal was deemed politically incorrect and Hungarian became the generally accepted term. Chronologically, if the proper pipe-smoking Englishman or the English pipe industry found everything bore or Uncle Paul off-putting or offensive, that would have been the milieu during or soon after the Second Boer War. No British catalog of the period I looked through contained a shape listed as Hungarian. Conclusion What to make of this jumble? To anyone bent, no pun intended, on getting to ground truth, good luck. Whether it's called an umpal, a Hungarian, or something else again, it's just not worth any additional effort to dispute or disclaim it, or to dissect it further, lest it's just a proverbial rose by another name. The Beatles said it best. Let it be. And that was a very interesting delve into the Umpal shape written by none other than Mr. Ben Rappaport and read by Vanessa Sylvester. What a pleasant divergence, if I do say so myself. Don't forget, this podcast is made possible by Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. I have gained so much by being a loyal PNT subscriber. I absolutely look forward to receiving each and every issue. If you're a subscriber, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, make haste. Speaking of PNT, every year at the Kansas City Show, there is a pipe carving contest for U.S. pipe carvers. PNT reports out on this contest and shows the entries that made it into the contest, as well as the winners who get into the seven-day set. It's a big deal, and this is one more way that PNT supports the community. If you're a U.S. carver, you should enter. Whether you're a U.S. carver or not, you should buy tickets to the carving contest raffle. There are only 400 tickets total, less than that now, of course. They are $25 each, or five for 100. Support American pipe makers by buying raffle tickets. There is a link on the club's homepage where you can buy the tickets. Go to gkcpipeclub.com and you will find it there. That stands for Greater Kansas City Pipe Club, gkcpipeclub.com. Proceeds are split between the seven carving contest winners, and with only 400 tickets available, you could be the owner of one heck of a seven-day billiard set once the dust settles. Until we meet again, my friends, 
This is Oli for Oompal.com, wishing you very good luck after listening to Mr. Rappaport's findings, deciding what to call that funny-shaped pipe in your collection. <laughs>